0: This morning, I've been tasked to preach about missions, and I want us to, to turn our attention to, to think about what it means to be missional. I mean, you've heard the phrase, like, everyone is a missionary, or, or every Christian is a missionary. You've all heard that phrase, but, but what does that mean? What does it mean to be missional? What does it mean to, to live your life with a missional mindset? And that's the question I want to be tackling this morning. I mean, doing missions isn't just going on short-term trips. You can go on short-term trips every single year, but that doesn't necessarily make you a missionary. Doing missions isn't simply donating money to organizations. It's, I will argue that doing missions isn't necessarily just about praying for the world. I mean, all those things are good, all those things we should be doing, but that isn't what defines a missionary. Missions, from my point of view, is is purpose. Talking about purpose. What is the purpose behind all the things that we do, every ministry that this church has, all the things that you do and you walk in the Christian life, your spiritual disciplines, reading the Bible, praying, discipling, evangelizing. What is the purpose behind all of that? What is the purpose behind the church? Missions is understanding why we are here on earth as Christians. In other words, missions is living this Christian life with perspective. And, and that's why we have a whole course, you know, about perspectives. And, and from what I hear next Sunday, we do, the, the perspectives, people, the people who've been taking perspectives will be sharing their testimony about the class in Sunday school. And so if you guys want to learn more about missions as we continue on this journey throughout this month, I encourage you to come out to Sunday school next week. But This morning, I want us to think about this, right? Think about what does it mean to have a missional perspective? Think about what does it mean to have that purpose driving our lives? Paul understood this. He knew what it meant to be saved by God. Not just saved to enjoy church life, but to be saved and kept on earth for a singular purpose. And that purpose is wrapped up in one simple phrase that we'll find here in Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, and that phrase is this: "Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ." Paul is an ambassador. That is his role, his purpose for being here on earth. But what makes Paul an ambassador? Well, if you take a look back a few verses in verse 17. Verse says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Focus on that word anyone. That anyone here means anyone who's been saved by Christ. Not just pastors. Not just overseas missionaries. Not just evangelists. But every Christian. Anyone who is in Christ. He, they're a new creation. I mean, they've been created with a new and given purpose. What is that purpose? Verse 18. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That ministry of reconciliation, that's what defines us as ambassadors. Ministry of reconciliation. If you're a Christian, you are an ambassador because you have been reconciled by Christ. And now received this ministry of reconciliation. And within this ministry, we now serve God with this purpose. And therefore, in verse 20, back in our verse, Paul implores to us at the end, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God and become ambassadors for Christ. And I want us to flush out what that means to be an ambassador. If an ambassador of Christ was was a was a job posting on LinkedIn, this is what will it look like? What will be the job descriptions beneath that? And so imagine we're we're looking in at this job description, this job title, and underneath we're going to find three descriptions of an ambassador, three descriptions of ambassadors, and and this morning we're going to walk through those three descriptions. I'm going to be flipping back and forth a lot through bio verses. Um, I'm going to and so I encourage you to, if you guys have your Bibles, you guys can flip with me. I will put the verses on the screen. But most of our time will be spent specifically in Second Corinthians. And so we'll, you'll most likely just be flipping one page at a time in Second Corinthians. And so the first description we'll look at for ambassadors. The first description of ambassadors is ambassadors are representatives. Ambassadors are representatives. Let's take a closer look at verse 20 of chapter 5 here. Right, it says here, we are ambassadors for Christ. In the Greek, in the Greek, this word for ambassador is actually a verb. I mean, literally, Paul's saying here, we are ambassadoring. We don't just hold a title, but we are constantly, daily, consistently playing the role of an ambassador. And, and so, ambassadors, then, what does that look like? We are our representatives. First, we understand that ambassadors, you know, we, we understand ambassadors in a secular way. We, we, we know that, you know, those who are ambassadors for nations, they, they get sent out to represent their nation. And so this representative has to be someone who is able to deal with, you know, international affairs, deal with other people. And so when a send nation sends out a representative, a representative, they're sending out one of the most capable, one of the most high character, one of the most respectable people. When you're sending out a representative, you're sending out your best. And so if we are supposed to be ambassadors, representatives of Christ, we need to understand what this means and we have to look into our own lives and think, are we doing that? When you say you're a Christian, that means everything that you do, everything that you say, everything that you think about, all the decisions you make, you do it representing Christ. That's why Paul commands the church in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 31. It says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Everything for God, for his glory. Now, this is nothing new. We, we've heard this many times. If you guys have grown up in church, been Christian for a while, you guys heard this so many times. And in fact, we, we know this because this is what it's supposed to be like ever since creation. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 Right. It says that God created man in his own image. God created man in his own image, meaning he created man to be his representative. And then God placed this man on earth and tells him exactly how he's supposed to represent me. How he's supposed to represent God? Genesis 1.28 says, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heaven, over every living thing that moves on earth. It's focusing on that word dominion. If we are supposed to be having dominion over this earth, that means we're supposed to be lords and kings over it. But who is the true king of the universe? It's God. And so we're supposed to be his image on earth. All right back in the. In the ancient Near East, and during this during this time when Genesis was written, kings would actually put statues of themselves to mark their territory. So when a traveler comes by, they'll see the statue of this king. They'll know that this territory belongs to that king. We are that statue. We are that image that represents the true king in heaven, and his reign is on earth. And we are supposed to be representing him on earth. So this has been the commandment since the beginning, not just to Christians, but to all of mankind. If you're a non-believer here today, that's your your creative purpose as well. But that is where Adam, the first man, failed. And we failed along with him. And that's why God had to send his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us, to become our representative. If we go back to 2 Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, Paul says that Jesus Christ is the image of God. Jesus Christ, the image of God. Jesus Christ did what Adam could, and he represented God perfectly. And if we are being redeemed by God, then that means we are also being formed to be Christ-like Right, That's why we always say, be like Christ. And Paul says this exact same thing just in chapter 3 of 2 Corinthians, verse 18. He says that we are all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image one degree of glory to another. That same image is the image of Christ. The image of God in Christ. And so we're ambassadors for Christ because we're representing Christ who represents God. Isn't that beautiful? In other words, what we're saying here is that when we worship Christ, we are to be like him. And and we, we all heard a phrase, many of us heard a phrase that we become what we worship, right? We become what we worship. And then, for example, if we, in basketball, we—if if you like a—if you have a favorite player, you tend to play like that player, right? Like the people I grew up with, we watched Kobe Bryant over and over again, so we mimic his fadeaways and his jumper. The generation now may be mimicking Steph Curry and shooting threes all over the place. For me, I—I I, I struggle with little man syndrome, meaning I, I like to think I'm bigger than I am, and so I like watching like the big players, like Shaq. Like a hemilodge one, and I, I try to play like them, even though physically I, I'm not created for that. All right. and so we see here that you know when you have a favorite, when you have something you love, when you have something that you want to be like, you're gonna act like them. You're gonna to try to be like them, and it's therefore, if we are to love Christ and worship Christ, we should also slowly become like Christ. That means that means we no longer live according to our will. We represent Christ, we represent His will. We are His ambassadors sent to represent His intentions and not our own. In Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15, Paul writes, there, he says, that he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves but for Him." who for their sake died and was raised. Paul says the same thing in Colossians chapter 3, verse 3. Paul writes and says, For you have died, and your life is hidden in Christ. Hidden with Christ in God. In other words, when we become Christians, we're no longer seen. When people look at us, when people look at you, they should be seen Christ. Jesus puts it this way in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 to 16. He says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. And give glory to your Father who is in heaven. When people see your good works, they shouldn't be praising you. They should be praising God. Jesus is telling us that we are today a living embodiment, a public representation of him to the rest of the world. When the world looks upon you, do they see Christ? We are ambassadors for Christ, working publicly. For the sake of Christ. We're not secret agents. We're not double seven. We're not working undercover. We are publicly representing Christ. And this is missions. This is missions. Going on short term trips doesn't make you a missionary. Handing out gospel tracts don't make you a missionary. It's about representing the God we worship. The one who died for us. And so think about your ministries you even do at church. Think about what it means to be a discipler. Right? Even when this month, even though it's called Mission's Month, we're going to focus on family next weekend. Think about what that means in terms of missions in this perspective. That when you're discipling other people, including your kids, you're supposed to be representing Christ. That's what it's all about. We're all supposed to be making images of Christ out of one another. And that's why we have all these ministries. That's why we have youth groups. That's why we have young adult groups, college groups. We have the the 50 plus the, and all the different ministries we have out there, small groups. All of it is for the sake of forming all of us to be more and more like Christ. That's what it means to be an ambassador. That's what it means to be a missionary. We're representing our holy king. So we are all ambassadors of Christ. Therefore, we are all representations, representatives of Christ. Which leads us to our second job description, which is that ambassadors are foreigners. Ambassadors are foreigners, and this is by nature part of the job. When when a country sends out a diplomat, they're sending that person out into a country that's not their own. So it's a foreign land to them. He is a foreigner. And that diplomat recognizes he's not at home. He knows he's a foreigner. He knows he's not with his native people. Maybe he can't speak their language. He needs a translator. But not only that, but the people in that land also knows he's a foreigner. It stands out. And as Christians, we are all foreign ambassadors for Christ. We are foreigners in this world. Once we are saved, we have gained citizenship into the kingdom of heaven. But not only that, at the same time, we also forfeit our citizenship in this world. This is not the United States and Canada we're talking about here. There's, there's no dual citizenship. You're either a citizen of heaven. We're a citizen this world. And as Christians, our true home belongs in heaven. Therefore, where we are at right now, in this place today, at this moment, that makes us foreigners. And that's the thing, guys. See, as much as we know that our time on earth is temporary, we tend to forget to live with that eternal perspective. Scripture emphasizes our foreign nature in so many places. Jesus, when he started preaching, he came and he, and in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, he says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Kingdom of heaven, not the kingdom of earth. And therefore, Jesus, then in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 20, Jesus says this Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. We are supposed to be ambassadors, representatives for Christ. And therefore, we are also supposed to represent the foreign land that we belong in. And Jesus makes that very clear in this statement. That there's a difference between being one with the king of heaven versus being with the kingdom of earth. You cannot belong to both. You cannot be in, in both places at once. You cannot have citizenship in both places. You're either part of one or the other. And that's why he ends saying that no one can serve two masters. The author of Hebrews recognizes this reality. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 14, the author says this He says, For here, and here referring to this earth, to this world, for here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Back in our passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul, within the context, he says this. In, verse, in chapter 5, verse 1, he says, For we know that if the tent is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made of hands, eternal in the heavens. Paul here Let's talk about something temporary versus something internal. Now, when Paul says, talks, about, talks about tents, talks about our earthly home, he's actually referring to our bodies, our physical bodies. And so, let's, let's think about that for a moment. That we aren't just foreigners here in this location, but we are also foreigners here in our earthly physical bodies. That means that everything... Absolutely everything in your life in this world is temporary. It's not just money and possessions that are temporary, but it's your very body, your physical body. This earthy life you cling on to, all of that is temporary. That includes your career, your name, your friendships, even your marriage is temporary. Everything has an expiration date stamped on them. Paul then compares our earthly bodies to a tent. While he says that our heavenly bodies await us. Our heavenly bodies are being prepared by God, being made by his hands, not man's hands. And he makes it to be perfect. He makes it to be permanent. He makes it to be eternal. Don't you just long for that moment to finally be in a perfect body, to be at home, to live in for the rest of your life? Don't you long for that? I mean, I, I long to be in my eternal body. I, I long to be tall. That's, that's, what, that's what I imagine my heavenly body will be like. But it's up to God in His hands. But there's a, there should be a groaning in us, a longing in us. And that's why Paul says in the very next verse, in verse 2, he says, For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. So then while we're on earth, while we're living in these earthly physical bodies, we are foreigners. And therefore, we must live that way. God does not keep us here on earth as his ambassadors to make ourselves at home. We we have to recognize the implication of this truth. That as long as we're here on earth, we will never be comfortable. That there's always going to be a tension within us. And so stop trying to pursue the comforts of this world because as Christians... Our true comfort is found in God and God alone, who is in heaven, where our true home is at. And So this world will never satisfy your wants, your needs. Instead, we have to hang on to God's good promises. And God promises us great things. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, it says, For this light momentary affliction... It's preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparisons. That's a promise, guys. And that's a promise that we must just hold on to with our lives and really live according to. It's great to have such promise given to us. You see, God knows what your heart longs for. God knows what you seek after. And so when God, when, if, he, if he doesn't give you, you know, the job position you want, he's not doing it because he hates you. When he, when he doesn't give you a, a happy marriage, he's not doing it because he's punishing you. When he doesn't give you obedient children, he's not doing it because he doesn't care. He does care. God does care. He does love you. And the thing is that when we finally reach our home in heaven, God will give you everything that your heart has ever longed for. Seek after that. That's why Paul writes then in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 6, In response to all this, he says, So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage. And we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So then... What does this have to do with us as ambassadors? It has to do with everything. That that while we're here in this foreign world, we must live our lives as citizens in heaven, not on earth. We must abide to the laws of heaven, not on earth. That means there's always going to be a tension. That means that we're always going to be struggling with this because we're here in this foreign land that's uncomfortable. That's not our home. And the ways of heaven goes in the complete opposite ways of the world, right? And this reality, Jesus knew of this reality. when He came in and introduced to us the kingdom of heaven. That's why he prays for us in this way. In John chapter 17, verse 14 to 16. Jesus prays this way. He says, I have given them your word, believers. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. But get this, Jesus prays this. I do not ask you that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Jesus prays for us to stay in this world, stay in this world, but we are not to become part of this world, but we are supposed to be here as ambassadors, as foreigners. That means we are going to stick out like a sore thumb, that we are going to be misfits, that we are going to be square pegs in a world full of round holes. We do not belong here. we are ambassadors for christ ambassadors sent from the king of heaven to live as foreigners in this world we do not please this world we do not live to please the world instead we live to please god our king and so paul writes in second Corinthians, back in second Corinthians, chapter five verse nine so whether we are at home or away we make it our aim to please him With this mindsets, that should impact everything you do in life. It should impact everything. You see, many times when we hear about missionaries going overseas, working overseas, we, we hear them like they're, they're going overseas and they need to hold a job. And sometimes they start cafes. Sometimes they're working as um, a doctor, a programmer. And they do all these things and they, they may be doing good with their community using their jobs. But a lot, many times they hold a job just to, ha, just to have a business visa. Just so they can get into the country. Just so they can get by day by day. Right? To, to pay off their groceries, to pay off their rent. And, and, and they realize that this job isn't the end. That this job is a means. So that they can be in that country to do missionary work. To spread the gospel to make disciples, to convert lost sinners into the image of God. That is their key purpose for being there. The job is just the means. But imagine, imagine if we all view our jobs right now here in the same light. That every single one of us who hold a job, we see them as a means to an end. That your job that you have right now, or the job that you're seeking to, to, to get in the future, that is just a business visa to stay here in this world. Right? Instead of viewing our jobs as our, as our identity, we, we see them as a temporary but necessary means. I mean, this goes even for pastors. Right? When, as pastors, when we get to heaven, we're not going to be pastors there. right? We're no longer going to be under shepherds there. We're going to be before the great shepherd, and we're going to be one of the sheep. Imagine what that would do if we think of our careers, our jobs that way. How does that impact your stress at work? How does that change your perspective of your relationships with your coworkers, with your managers? How does that impact how you steward your job, the money that you gain from it? How does that change the way you go to work? We are all foreigners in this world. Everything we accomplish here is temporary. The only work that will make an everlasting impact is to work as an ambassador for Christ, for the eternal kingdom of heaven. And so we are foreigners, we're representatives, and we're supposed to do the work of ambassador. What does that work look like? That leads to our third description that ambassadors are messengers. They're messengers. This is kind of the job expectation. This is the role of an ambassador. We are messengers, and the message we carry is not our own. It is God's message. We are simply heralders, announcing what God wants to say, not what we want to say. And so if we look back in our passage, in verse 20, chapter 5, verse 20, It says we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. God is speaking through his people to the world. This is the reason why the church exists here on earth. We are ambassadors for Christ, and the church is God's embassy. We are foreigners in this world, representing Christ in every way we live. And the message we proclaim is God's, not our own. What is this message? Paul continues writing. He says, we implore, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. This is the same thing that Jesus says, right? He says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Paul says here, be reconciled. How? How do we be reconciled with God? Verse 21, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That is the gospel. Christ took our sins so that we can gain his righteousness. This is the message that we must proclaim. Paul knows this. Back in chapter 4, verse 5, Paul says, for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. Paul says the same thing in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 23. He says, we preach Christ crucified. This message, this gospel, this one that we carry with us, nothing else is more important than that message. That is our job. That is our duty. That is our responsibility. We are not here to make a name for ourselves. We are not here to settle down. We are here to proclaim a message, and that message is Christ. And that's why Paul later writes in 2 Corinthians chapter six, verse three. He says this about the, about his ministry. Paul says, "We put no obstacle in anyone's way. We put no, whoops, we put no obstacle in anyone's way." so that no fault may be found in our ministry. Here Paul refuses to allow anything to get in the way of the message. The gospel of Christ must be heard. and So he will not allow anything, anything to obstruct that message. And so we read on verse 4 of chapter 6. This is what Paul does. He says, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. And, and the list goes on. We got going to take a moment to really appreciate Paul's writing here. I mean, this is how we, how to commend ourselves? Through suffering? Through affliction? This is our resume? You see, the world will commend themselves through their reputation, through their education, through their skill sets. But we are ambassadors for Christ. Therefore, we proclaim our gospel through this way, through harshness, through afflictions, through sleepless nights. We do it. Why? Because that way, in our weakest moments, the power of the gospel shines brightest. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 says, We have this treasure, the gospel, this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. And later in chapter 12, when Paul is speaking about the thorn in his flesh, and he's asking God to remove it. God responds to Paul he says this in chapter 12, verse 9, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And So we are ambassadors of Christ. That means that we live not for ourselves. We live not for this world. We live only for Christ and the kingdom of heaven. We do everything for the sake of making the gospel known, not us. So how do you make your choices in life? What is your decision tree? On the top of that decision tree, do you ask yourself, does this choice proclaim the gospel of Christ more powerfully, more clearly to the rest of the world? If missions, if missions is the purpose of church, this here means everything. This is why the church exists. We are ambassadors. We carry in us a gospel of Christ to the rest of the world. And so let us think then critically about everything we do in our church, our families, our ministries, our small groups, our community groups. Let us think critically about all these things. Because we aren't here just to play house. We're here to build up ambassadors for Christ. That when we're listening to sermons, that we are reminded of the message of God to the world. When we have small groups, where we have small groups to keep ourselves keep ourselves accountable, so that we don't put any detriment, we don't undermine the gospel. We disciple the younger generation to pursue Christ. We disciple them by showing them that this world, as enticing as it may seem, is so temporary. we disciple the younger generation to be ambassadors to send them out to proclaim the glory of God and the gospel of Christ do you have this purpose in mind when it comes to church when it comes to the places you serve when it comes out to your small groups and to the relationships that you have around this building it is missions week or Missions Month. So I do want to talk a little bit and show you, you know, what does that then look like for, for short-term missions? I um, There's many of you guys may are going on short-term trips this summer. Um, and for some of you guys, you guys may be deciding whether or not you want to join a mission trip. But let's talk a little bit about short-term mission trips. How does that play out? Because short-term missions is difficult. You're, you're there for a week or two. How do you truly make disciples out of that short period of time? What is the purpose of a mission trip? And so we think then eternally, using this understanding of ambassadors for Christ, the, the descriptions that we just went through, this is what this is how I think we should think about short-term mission trips. That we should think about them as discipleship, as training grounds for us, for our people. Short-term mission trips should teach us how to be a better ambassadors for Christ. Right, Because when we we go on a short-term trip, we are being taught how to be a better representative of Christ by placing us in an uncomfortable situation. We're in an uncomfortable situation. We're in a strange situation, in a foreign situation. We are challenged not to pursue our own interests, but to pursue Christ. Short-term trips teach us how to be better foreigners in this world, to show us that there's a lot bigger world than, than Walnut, California. When we we take the time to go across cultural boundaries and to learn about a different culture, we we have to take the time to learn about that culture, to listen to them, to listen intently to their hearts, to understand their cultural context and their situations. And then, when we do that, we take that back home, we become better listeners. We become better disciples. Because we understand just how foreign we are here. That if we are indeed foreigners here in this earth, and we're foreigners here in this church, foreigners here in Walnut and SoCal, then we too had to have that same mentality that we have to learn about this culture, understand the heart, and then teach them the gospel in their language. Short-term mission trips teach us how to be better messengers. Because we're forced to learn how to articulate the gospel in a simple and clear form. I mean, if English isn't the first language, you're you're going to be fumbling with words, and you're going to free, you have to really figure out the basics of that gospel. So, going short and truth really teaches us how to communicate the gospel well. And so, let's think through then our ministries that way how then do we become better ambassadors for Christ? Our sole goal and ambition should be for the gospel. And here's the thing. When we're out here in this foreign world, and we're representing Christ in the world, and we're proclaiming this gospel, this gospel tells us that as we are representing Christ, Christ is representing us in heaven. And that we proclaim this Jesus Christ who took on flesh so he can be like one of us. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17, it says, He, Jesus, made to be like his brothers, us, in every respect, so that he might become a merciful, faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of his people. What that means is that Christ appeased God by representing us before God. And in representing us, Jesus Christ bore our sins on the cross, suffered a death that we deserved. But in his resurrection, Jesus Christ demonstrated that he has victory over death, victory over sin. And he rises up from the grave so that we, in Christ, can be righteous before God. which brings us back then to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. That God made Christ to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Christ we might become the righteousness of God. That is the great gospel we proclaim as ambassadors to this world. And that's the good news that we must share to this world. That the kingdom of heaven is not closed. Immigration is open. But the only way to receive a passport is through Christ. Believing in him. And if there's any of you this morning who do not know Christ, allow me to implore to you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God by repenting of your sins and accepting Christ as your righteousness. Come know the greatest message God has for this world. Come know Jesus Christ, your Savior. And then join us on mission to spread that good news out to the rest of the world. Let me pray for us. Father, Father, we thank you for sending your son to this earth to die for our sins and to raise him up from the grave again so that he can stand before you representing us. And so, Lord, then, may we do our duties to represent Christ well. May we run this race well so that Christ is displayed. And may we live our life on purpose, with purpose, on mission for the gospel, so that your name will be proclaimed, that every knee will bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I pray all this in your holy and precious name. Amen.